Well, good morning and a really happy new year to you. I can't tell you how thrilled I am that anyone is in church this morning. Um, when we planned this service, we were really unsure how many people would have enough energy and would be awake enough to actually come along uh, on a New Year's Day service. But it's good to be here, isn't it? And we're going to gather this morning. We're going to come shortly around the Lord's table. We're going to remind ourselves this morning how good it is to be in relationship with the King of Love. It is a good thing, and we're going to celebrate that this morning at the beginning of 2023. So come on then, let's own up together. How many of us uh, have come up with New Year's resolutions? Is that you? Anyone got a New Year's resolution? Just Ruth, fantastic. Oh, a few others. That's the trouble with sitting at the front, Ruth, isn't it? You never know whether anyone's got their hand up or whether you're the only person stood up and everyone else has sat down. I wonder how many of us have got New Year's resolutions that were similar to last year's New Year's resolutions. You know, that's my problem in life. As I look back over the last couple of decades, I'm pretty certain my New Year's resolutions have been the same every year. Often they're to do with weight loss, often they're to do with diet and exercise, about growing hair, about uh, (laughs) a a new hobby, uh, about somehow trying to be a nicer person, and how often our New Year's resolutions are about being a nicer person. Well, this little cartoon captures perfectly uh, myself and my sister-in-law last evening as we were trying to polish off an entire baked camembert between the two of us before our diets began for the new year. Hurry! Our New Year's resolutions start in 10 minutes. Do you remember a few weeks back we heard the challenge, didn't we, not to put off till tomorrow the very thing we could be doing Uh, today. But for how many of us are our New Year's resolutions a bit like this? Quick, let's cram in as much camembert as we can uh, before the clock strikes midnight and then we'll eat more camembert probably far too soon in the new year. Well, as we enter into the new year, I want to encourage you actually this morning to abandon any New Year's resolutions that have anything to do with self-improvement. I know that's probably a shocking thing for you to hear, especially only 11 hours or so into the brand new year. Now, the kind of self-improvement I'm talking about is the type of self-improvement for self. It's self-improvement for the sake of self rather than self-improvement of self, which is for the glory of God and for the blessing, even for the benefit of others. So, I said, as I reflect back on my own New Year's resolutions, I, I look back at them and think, actually, many of them were quite selfish. Many of them were quite self-centered. They were really about me. They weren't really about others. Some of them were even quite self-indulgent. We can say selfish. And in our scripture reading this morning, self-improvement is definitely a byproduct of all that the Apostle Paul is calling the believers to. But it's not the primary goal. The primary goal is not self or selfish, but it's something altogether more worthy. The invitation this morning from the Apostle Paul is to a lifestyle which is firstly centered on God, which is secondly a blessing to others, and then only after those things have been satisfied is it thirdly about self-improvement for the sake of self. Now, I expect lots of us for Christmas got something which was for our wardrobe, maybe a new jumper, a new shirt, who didn't get socks for, for Christmas, Uh, Some new jewellery, maybe for some of us some new makeup. Who got new slippers and new pyjamas this year? A few of us. Did you know that pyjama sales absolutely rocket over the Christmas period, especially the ones where the whole family dress up in the same 
uh, pajamas. We haven't yet stooped that low as a family. What we discover from our scripture reading this morning is that God wants you and I to replace the worn-out old clothes that are in our wardrobes. He longs for you as you enter into 2023 to have a brand new wardrobe. Now, of course, he doesn't care that much about our external physical wardrobe, of course, but he does care about the internal spiritual clothing that we choose to put on. What we discover this morning is that our new wardrobe really isn't about making us feel good or even about making us look good, but it's a wardrobe that first blesses Christ and then secondly blesses others who we get to share life with. Now, if you've got a Bible with you, do um, turn to um, Colossians chapter 3 or switch on your Bible, and uh, we're going to dip in and out of this text this morning looking at verses 1 through to 17, Colossians chapter 3. The opening verses say this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's the place of authority, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the King of love. He's set in the place of authority. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So in these opening verses, Paul is making it abundantly clear who it is he's speaking to and who it is that he's addressing. But having made that clear, he then goes on to talk about what those individuals should be doing in response to all that he's saying. Since you've been raised with Christ, verse 1. So he's speaking very directly to those of us who would say, I am a follower of Jesus. If you've been raised with Christ, you're a follower of Jesus. So since you're in Christ, verse 1, Paul says, set your hearts and set your minds, verse 1 and 2, on things that are above. Things that are not just earthly things, things that are above. In other words, don't shuffle along in life with your eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things which are right in front of you, but instead look up, be alert to all that's going on because of Jesus. In speaking directly to the believers here, Paul is uh, telling us uh, what he says over and over and over again in Scripture and other places too. He's saying no identity other than that of being in Christ is important. Nothing else matters. Our identity from the past, even that that we desire for our future, does not matter as much as our relationship with Jesus matters. If our identity is primarily anywhere else other than in Jesus, then we will never know what it is to experience life in all of its fullness, that life that Jesus spoke of. So Paul's giving a challenge to the church in Colossae, and I sense a challenge to us this morning to passionately pursue the things over which Christ presides, to see things from his perspective, to do life the way or in the ways of Jesus. Listen to verse 11. He says this. He says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, no circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
Paul's challenge to the church in Colossae is this, where you might well think that your Jewishness or your Gentileness or your old slave nature or your new free nature, or we might say your membership of Christ Church Baptist Church or your gym membership, your National Trust membership, your Englishness, your political affiliations or whatever, you might feel all of that matters, but it really doesn't matter compared to being in Christ and pursuing his will for our lives. All those things are just labels that describe me, but my true identity in Christ is what really defines me. What matters as we enter into 2023 is Christ and our identity in him. And in a sense, that's Paul's umbrella message to the church in Colossae, is that our true identity is found when we stop being who we used to be and instead start becoming even more who God has created us to be. The old is gone, the new is here, your old life is hidden in Christ, that's your new way, is the message of Paul for us. And then as we read on in verses 5 to 11, Paul starts to speak about a few things which might be part of our lifestyles or part of our old nature, which now we're in Jesus, we should be putting to death. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator." So Paul uses three very challenging words in combination at the beginning of verse 5. Put to death, he says. Put to death. It's a very strong phrase, isn't it? Put to death. It's a call to be active, spiritually speaking. It's a call to not be a couch potato, to not just go through life, but to grow through life. And we do that by chopping out those things which would seek to strangle our experience of life in all of its fullness. So Paul says to the church in Colossae, put to death. In other words, starve, chop out, chop off, execute, deliberately kill off, bury, cremate, anything and everything which is to do with our old pre-Christian life and an unchristian way of living. Now, helpfully, Paul lists a few things, and I don't think his list is exhaustive, which are worthy of such preemptive execution. He speaks of sexual misconduct of all sorts, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. Greed, bad temper, rage, literally translated unhinged anger. Oh dear, unhinged anger. Irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk, lying to each other. Basically, any and all other forms of wrongdoing which are ungodly and dishonoring to Jesus. He says, put those things to death. Is anyone else feeling slightly uncomfortable as you hear that list this morning? But God's message to his church is really simple. He's saying, I care about what you do with your body, and I care about what you desire in your hearts. So if it's not right, consider those things dead. Be an executioner of your old sinful nature. Don't be at all merciful to the unchristlike bits of your old self, but kill them off. Whenever your old life rears its ugly head, chop it off at the source. 
Did you notice in verse 6, Paul kind of just slips in an extra little sentence as, a, as a, almost a supplementary comment. He says, love and think what is right because there really is no sin which is worthy of God's wrath. Paul is speaking very honestly about God's coming wrath in verse 6. And he slips it in almost as an aside, but actually the brevity of what he says holds great weight. This is serious stuff he's saying. It's worth thinking about because it has eternal implications. Now, God actually here is making a mind-blowing invitation to the church in Colossae. He's making a mind-blowing invitation to you and to me this morning, which is to fully and wholeheartedly participate in God's new creation that's been made possible because of the King of love, who is Jesus. Verse 5 onwards is, in a sense, in the whole picture of uh, the, the letter to the Colossians here, is the really practical portion of Paul's letter. It's the part where the rubber really starts to hit the, the road, where our theology starts to be applied. Did you notice he even interjects a, a therefore into the middle of his sentence in verse 5? So we've got to ask the question, well, what is the therefore, therefore? It's there because we're to put to death everything that's not been risen to new life with Christ. The practical application from verse 5 onwards is derived from the theological truth that we discovered in verses 1 to 4 and verse 11, that we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, then we are raised with him and we need to live for him. The message version of the Bible sometimes is a really helpful translation. And I think the message translation of verse 10 is so helpful as it describes our old life without Christ. It says this, it's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes that you've stripped off and you've put in the fire. But now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. All the old fashions are now obsolete because of your new wardrobe. Isn't that great? In Christ, we get to dress up in royal robes that we don't deserve. Guess what song we're going to sing in response? As they say in the fashion industry, bad tempers, meanness, lying, sexual promise, promiscuity. Sweetie, that is so last year. You see, your old clothes cannot cover up who you are in God's new creation. Your old clothes are for burning. We must put on the new clothes of God's kingdom when we're in Christ. And they're royal robes and they are designer made for you and for me. Everything has changed because of what Jesus has done for him if you've come to know him and if, you, if you've come to love him. The old self has been executed and your new self has been resurrected. Paul's point to the church in Colossae was very simple, but actually it was life-changing. You're not who you once were. You are who you're becoming in Christ. So it's time to dress differently. When it comes to our new world wardrobe for 2023, our task is to ensure that we're being fitted out with the designer label which is custom made for those of us who love Christ. The saggy, worn out, ill-fitting clothes of our old life need to be binned so that there's room in our spiritual wardrobe for the new clothes that God is longing for us to wear. Whatever your desires, your resolutions, your passions for 2023 might be, Getting even more fitted out with Christ's designer label should be at the very top of your list as we enter into a new year. This taking off of the old and putting on of the new that Paul describes is the essence of what it is to follow Jesus. 
When we begin to live even more for God, in the process we become more and more like Christ and we end up becoming more selfless. Now the process of that happening sometimes is messy and it's imperfect because actually we're messy, imperfect people and we're never always going to get that right. Often the changing of our wardrobe comes with a certain amount of resistance because Satan hates it when we delight our saviour Jesus. We will still sin because of all that, but that sin is not you, and it does not define who you are. As Paul said in Romans 7:17, it's no longer I myself who do evil, but it's sin living within me. And Paul's challenge to the church here in Colossae is, look, that sin that lives within you needs to be put to death because you've died to sin. That's part of your old life. Therefore, It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to your heart and it doesn't belong to your mind. N.T. Wright's got a great phrase for this. He calls it, sin is an alien intruder who has no right to be in your home. I love that. Sin is an alien intruder who has no right to be in your home. And therefore, when we identify sin, those things that are part of our old life, our pre-Christ life, then we have a responsibility to tell that sin where it needs to go. Well, as we read on, we discover exactly what this new designer wardrobe contains. We discover exactly what it is that Christ would love for us to wear even more. In verses 12 to 15, we we discover that each item of this designer wardrobe comes from the life of love range. That's where it comes from. It comes from the life of love range. Verse 12, therefore, there it is again, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, who you are if you know Christ today. You're holy and you are dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. You see, as we consciously begin to wear Christ's attributes of humility and gentleness, of forgiveness and of love as as holy and dearly loved people, we may find that actually those things don't fit too well at the very beginning of that journey. Do you remember back to when you were at school, if you can remember that far, far back, do you remember a new pair of school shoes? Do you remember how tight they used to feel and how Uh, They were uncomfortable. Actually, it wasn't that they were ill-fitting. The problem is that we've got so used to our stretched and baggy old shoes and our worn-out shoes that that is what made, by contrast, our new shoes feel uncomfortable. We've gotten used to doing life in our slippers when actually God calls us to wear a pair of shoes that fit really well. God's designer clothes won't fit at all, of course, if we try and put them on without first consciously taking off those things that we should be taking away, our pride, our anger, the lying, the the fear that perhaps marked out our old lives. For Christ's goodness to live in us and to fit us well, we must strip off everything that connects us to sin. Then and only then will these Christ-like characteristics begin to feel comfortable as we are seeking to wear them. And the more and more they become part of our thinking and our speaking and our doing, 
we find that something starts to happen. Putting on these external behaviors does something to our internal spirits. I don't know if you noticed that all of those Christ-like characteristics that we're told to put on, they're, they're social or they're relational in nature. And that's why these scripture verses are, are, are primarily not really about the sake of, uh, uh, really about self-improvement. Paul is making a challenging comment here that we're connected to one another as Christ's body. And as we're sent into this world to connect with others, we do so within the context of community, within the context of relationship. And he's saying that takes compassion, it takes kindness, it takes humility, it takes gentleness, and it takes patience. It means forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. Heck, that's a challenging word, isn't it? We should be forgiving others as the Lord has forgiven us. One theologian has said this about these verses. Such work is not for the faint of heart. This is not conflict avoidance of vice. This is about what to do when bare-knuckled emotional brawls break out. Isn't that good? This is how we're to respond when we're in the midst of the fight or about to head into a fight. You see, when we avoid one another because we disagree it does damage to the body of Christ because we're called into community. But equally as bad as that, it also does damage to our witness to the world, which is watching us more than we might imagine. When we confront one another with anger or with abusive language, it damages not only the body of Christ to which we belong, but it also damages our witness to the world that we're seeking to reach. And that's why in verse 14, Paul puts one Christ-like virtue ahead of all the others. He says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Even when we disagree, as sometimes we will as a church, as we head into another year, speaking the truth in love will keep us in harmony with one another, but also will keep our witness to the watching world really strong. So I wonder this morning, how well clothed are you with God's designer-label wardrobe of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience? Are you forgiving others in the way that Christ has forgiven you? How well clothed are you with the love of Christ? As I look at myself in the mirror this morning, I know for sure that God has not finished with me yet. And I'm very grateful for his grace in my life. But I hear the challenge to continue growing in the ways of Jesus. And then in verses 16 to 17, Paul finishes with this great rallying call to the church in Colossae. And I sense this is our call. This is our rallying call as a church as we enter into 2023. It says this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The message translation, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. What a beautiful image to let the word of Christ have the run of the house, which is his church here at CBC. It says, give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good old common sense. 
and sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail of your lives, your words, your actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus, thanking God the Father every single step of the way. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You see, when the word of Christ dwells in us richly, our lives will bubble up in worship and in praise, and we will overflow with thanksgiving. We'll end up giving God thanks and praise, and that will set us apart from the rest of the world, just as surely as loving one another deeply will also demonstrate Christ's love for us. You see, Paul's challenge here is to be God-dependent, not to be self-sufficient to be God-dependent, to allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly. Three times in two verses, Paul reminds us to be thankful, to have an attitude of gratitude in our hearts, to give God our thanks and to give God our praise in all that we do. I find that really challenging as I head into another year. Well, I hope this year is better than last year. (laughs) Things can only get better. It was pretty dire in 2022. And actually, that might be our reality. That might be the truth, but there's a challenge for us as a body, as individuals too, to head into 2023, giving God the praise, giving God the glory, being thankful in all that we do. That's a sign that we've taken off the old self and that we've put on this new clothing. When we put on Christ, we look different. We act differently. We speak differently. We're filled with Christ from the inside outwards. Lord Jesus, would you shine through me in 2023? Lord Jesus, would you shine through us as a a church that we would be so loving, we would be so full of praise, so full of thanks that other people would actually notice? Here's our challenge as we head into 2023. It's to keep the message exactly the same. You know, we don't need to change the gospel one little bit. It is good news for the world and we don't need to change it. But I do sense there's a challenge for us. It's to be better tuned in to that good news. Now, this doesn't make any sense for any of us kind of under the age of 30, probably, right? On a radio, we used to have these dials where... (laughs) Does your life sometimes feel like mine, that I'm kind of getting the message, but I'm not as fully tuned in as I could be to it? Lord Jesus, come, help me tune in more fully so I can hear you completely. And I think this word from Paul is incredibly challenging about putting on all those really good virtues. Somehow in the tuning in of our lives, we're going to look more like Jesus. So we need to keep the message the same. The gospel is still good news and it doesn't need to be changed a jot. But we need to get better tuned in. And then do you know what we need to do? We need to turn up the volume. We need to ramp it up to full power. That's what I sense the challenge is for us as we head into 2023. To own this good news, to proclaim it confidently. And we can do that, especially if we're really well tuned in. I sense that was Paul's challenge to the church in Colossae. Tune in better to the things of Christ. And when you've done that, and as you do that, your witness will get louder to the watching world who want to hear what it is we've got to proclaim. You see, I've discovered something in the kingdom of God. It's this, is that the little things are often the big things. It's the little things that are the big things. It's the small changes that we make that can have the biggest difference. Small changes make a huge difference. And as I finish, I want to leave us with a question, and it's this. What one small change, 
What one small step might God be calling you to take at the beginning of this new year that will firstly glorify Jesus, that will secondly bless others, and that will thirdly mean that you're even better tuned in to the things of Christ? And then as we go from this place, the challenge is to turn up the volume on the dial so that others will hear this unchangeable good news. An invitation for us as a church to put on a new wardrobe as we head into 2023. To wear even more those virtues that are God-honoring virtues. To get better tuned in to the word of Christ. To let it dwell richly in our hearts. And then as it dwells within us, it will come outside of us in thanks and in praise and in worship of our Savior. What one small step might God be calling you to today? Let's pray together. This morning, you are God's chosen people. You're holy and you're dearly loved. Lord, thank you that that's a truth, a capital T truth, that if we've come to know Christ, we're holy and we're dearly loved. And Lord, we want to confess this morning, sometimes we don't feel that way. Lord, we recognize there's room for growth in our lives. Lord, this morning, I pray, would you help us to take that one small step to clothe ourselves with compassion? even more, to wear the garment of kindness, even more. To be humble like Christ was humble. To wear the clothing of gentleness, of patience. To be a people who are forgiving even when it's really hard to forgive. just really feel challenged that maybe God would place on our hearts this morning that need for forgiveness for somebody. If he's doing that for you right now, would you, would you just hold on to that for a moment? The challenge of God is to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And Lord, we pray over all of these virtues that, Lord, we would put on love. That we would be a unified people. Jesus, we want to say thank you to you this morning for all that you've done for us. Would we worship you? Would we praise you even more? We love you and we choose to serve you in the year that's ahead of us.